Welcome to the Skeptical Pastor Podcast. I am your host, Mike Mandry. I am a skeptic and a pastor. And here's the thing. I want to invite you into real and honest conversations about the questions and the doubts that we have about the Christian faith. Because I believe that when we have the real and honest conversations, we will find truth. And that when we find truth, we'll find the pathway to joy. So welcome to the conversation. Hello, my fellow skeptics. Oh man, it is such an honor. And I am super excited to be with you and have this conversation with you. It is an honor to be with you. I look forward to these moments every other week um, to be able to spend time thinking about you and, and the questions and, and the doubts that you may have. I don't know where you are, but in the past couple of weeks, I have been wrestling with some questions, with a lot of questions and doubts about the Christian faith. And these are some deep questions. People have just been asking deep questions, and I love it. I love that people are seeing me as a person that they can um, be honest with their doubts and questions about the Christian faith and where I'm able um, to help um, give some feedback in that. So I'm, I'm excited about that. It's been awesome doing. Um, but there's been some heaviness in these questions. These questions are real-life questions that get it at the heart of life. And, and they're just deep questions. And, and so I've been wrestling in that. So there's kind of this heaviness and I'm kind of in this, um, skeptical funk if, if I'm being honest with you and, and it's not a bad thing. It just, it's just heavy, but, but it's a good way because again, life is heavy right now. There is a lot of stuff going on, but even with that, I'm excited for this conversation. I'm excited for us to wrestle with probably one of the most important questions that there is. And, and, Upfront, this conversation is not going to answer all the questions. It, it's going to just get at the surface of it because I think like uh, there is a lot more that we could dig into, and 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 I want to just focus on one thing. But but before that, I want to say, where are you at? How are you showing up to this conversation? How has your last couple weeks been? What's been going on for you? What questions are you wrestling with? And I'd love to hear them. I'd love for you to join this conversation in even more of a visible way where you can leave your questions again at the end, at the end of the show, we'll have how you can do that. Um, in the show notes, there'll be ways to do that. So let's jump right into this conversation. I want to start this conversation again with what I said to be, I think one of the most important questions in all of life. And it's this, did Jesus rise from the dead? Is the tomb empty? Is the tomb where they laid Jesus empty. Or another way of putting it is, is the resurrection a hoax? Because this is of vital importance. So what is at stake? Who cares about this? Like, does this conversation matter? And really, what is at stake? And my answer is everything. Everything is at stake with this question. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if, if, if his body still is in the ground somewhere, then Christianity is stupid and useless and a complete and utter waste of time. You probably didn't come expecting to hear that today. But if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then those, this whole Christian movement, this whole thing that I've dedicated my life to is stupid and useless and a waste of time, and I should just give it up. And if you are a, a Jesus follower, you should just give it up. But 
If Jesus did rise from the dead, then Christianity is of the utmost importance. It is the most important decision you will make in your life if Jesus rose from the dead. So I have some major struggles with the resurrection of Jesus. First is the laws of nature. Like the way that the laws of nature work is that dead things stay dead. Like if I were to go hunt a deer and shoot it, it would stay dead. It would not come back to life once it was dead. And if I left it there, it would slowly break down and other animals would eat it and bugs and all this thing. It would break back to dirt. That is the law of nature. That is what happens when things die. So the the problem with the resurrection for me is that it, it completely goes against the laws of everything that I know, everything that I see, everything that everyone else has observed as well, is that dead things stay dead. They break down and they go back to dirt. The next part is that death seems so permanent. Like I, I think back to my cousin, Jordan, who died in a tragic um, ATV accident. And I just remember looking at him and going, man, this seems so permanent and so tragic. He's so young. And I remember just seeing the heartache of my aunt and uncle and, and experiencing myself. And I actually prayed for resurrection to happen. I've told maybe my wife this in my life. I prayed for that. I prayed at the night of the viewing, Lord, would you just have him get up and walk? Lazarus, you, you, you raised Lazarus from the dead. You raised from the dead. Lord, could this be one of those? And it just, because it just seems so tragic and so permanent. I remember with my grandma too, um, she just passed away. It was just over a, a year ago. And I just remember going, this seems so permanent. Like if I'm honest, deep down inside of me, I say, this is it. This is the last time that I will see them. And it felt so permanent. The next thing is that my mind can't conceive it. It's not logical. Resurrection from the dead is not logical to me. And I am a very logical person, or at least I like to pretend that I'm a very logical person. I probably uh, um, react more from my feelings, but I think I can logically think through things. I think in, in this conversation, we've logically thought through things and, and it's not logical. And I think part of the reason why it's not logical is, is that I've never experienced it. I've never seen anything in my whole entire life that would give me any inkling in my logical mind that resurrection from the dead happens or can happen or will happen. And, and to be honest, when I think about it, my head hurts because I'm thinking if we rise from the dead, then that means that we last forever. And then I always ask myself, how long is forever? And it's forever. Well, when is forever going to end? Well, it's never going to end. And I can get in this cycle and my brain just starts to hurt. And I'm glad like we're moving on because always my brain would hurt for a long time. And it'd be like, I don't know about you, I almost get a little bit dizzy when um, I start thinking about living forever and ever. But if we're thinking about the resurrection from the dead, then yeah, it's living forever and ever. And honestly, it seems like a fairy tale to appease ourselves. Resurrection from the dead is to appease ourselves. The death of a loved one is painful. 
and the skeptical part of me, maybe even the, the logical part of me, says, did we make this up to ease the pain? Did we make up Jesus rising from the dead so that we will think our loved ones will lie or rise from the dead as well so that we won't have to experience that pain? It lessens the pain. It's like a balm. So that's where I am. That's what I bring to the conversation. That's the struggles I have. And, and, and I name them not just to name them. This is not just therapy, even though it kind of works a little bit like therapy. I think I've said this before. You guys are my cheap therapist. Like it's really cheap to have you as therapist. But, but I do this because I want you to be able to name your doubts about the resurrection. It is illogical. It is beyond what our mind can conceive. And, and I think it's important for you um, to, to be like me and, and to name your doubts. That's the way to be like me, not in other ways, but, but to name your doubts, to say this is where I struggle with Jesus rising from the dead. Be honest. I want to encourage you, even if you need to right now, stop and journal to God. Find a piece of paper, find a notebook, and start journaling. Here's where I struggle with the resurrection. Here's where I struggle with Jesus rising from the dead. Here are the doubts that I have. So even though I have all these struggles, what is the evidence? And there's so much evidence. Like we could look at evidence for countless hours. We could spend hours looking at the evidence, looking at um all the stuff that shows that Jesus rose from the dead or did or didn't, we could examine it and we could do that. But there's one piece of um, evidence that to me is the greatest one. This is the one that keeps convincing me that the resurrection of Jesus did really exist over and over. This is the one where I come back to when I have my doubts, when I have my questions, when it doesn't seem to make sense, when everything in the world tells me the resurrection can't happen, it's not possible for it to happen, when I'm in that spot, when I'm struggling in that spot, this is the evidence that I come back to every time and it keeps coming back to me. It's like, okay, no, Mike, this is why the resurrection can happen. And it's actually a uh, quote from Charles Colson or Chuck Colson. Um, and he was part of Watergate. He was part of um, Nixon, Nixon's cronies, for lack of better phrase. And he says this, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned and put into prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. So let's break down this quote a minute. So who were these 12 people that Chuck Colson was talking about. They were the followers of Jesus. They were the disciples of Jesus. They were the ones that followed Jesus around for three years. And, and let's understand who they are. They were the rejects of society. They were out doing blue-collar jobs because they couldn't make it in the religious studies of their time. And so they were just common, 
ordinary men, right? They, they were men who, who didn't have power or authority. They weren't rich as they followed Jesus. Those that had money gave up money to follow Jesus, right? They were common, ordinary people who followed this rabbi around for three years. And they saw Jesus killed. They saw Jesus hanging on the cross. Actually, before that, they saw Jesus beat his back flayed open, his back, legs, thighs, shoulders, just completely ripped apart, bleeding to death, barely stumbling to the cross. They saw him die upon the cross. They saw the Roman soldier stick a sword up into his side and the blood and water separate. And they saw that. And then they saw that Jesus alive, not just once, not by themselves, but multiple times with other people. And they said, oh, this Jesus is the real deal. And then they gave their lives to telling others about this risen Jesus who claimed to be God. They wanted the world to know, so they did everything that they could to tell the world. And they did this even when it cost them. They were tortured throughout their lives. They were beaten. They were whipped. They were in chains. They were all these things. They were even murdered, right? They were martyred, murdered by martyrdom. That's a weird phrase. But anyways, they were they were murdered. Um, they died for their faith, for this belief, for this belief that Jesus had really risen from the dead. And they never recanted, right? There is no record in any of um, history of them recanting, never of them saying, okay, guys, we fooled you for long enough. We got you. This Jesus guy, yeah, he really didn't rise from the dead. Like we don't even have evidence from his from his um, enemies throughout the time. Not one piece of evidence saying that they recanted from this. And it wasn't like over like a three-year period. Like you could understand if it was a short time, maybe then they they you know they didn't recant because it was a short time, but over a long time they were no forty years. For forty years they kept telling the same story. We saw Jesus murdered by the Romans on a cross. The people who were awesome at executing people, they were known for that. They could do it well. And never once did they recant from that for 40 long years. That's a long time for the truth to come out. Like for a lie to stay consistent over 40 years would be pretty much um, impossible to happen. It's not likely that it's possible for a lie to exist, not change for over 40 years. Like think about it. Like have, have you ever told a lie and then forgotten what exactly you said in the lie and then you have to try to remember because if you... You're like, crap, what did I say? Did I say I was wearing red shoes or brown shoes that day? And because it's a lie, you don't know, and your story may change, and you're telling somebody, and they're like, wait a, th- wait a second, I thought you said you were wearing red shoes because you remembered that, and then you're like, oh, yeah, uh, right, but, but that that never happened, right, because lies change over time. Like, I think of somebody in a cold case who tells a cop what happened, and then it goes cold for 20 years, 30 years, and and after 30 years... They change their story. They forget details because it was a lie and they don't remember the lie. But we don't have that with the disciples. We don't have that with these ordinary, common men who didn't have power, who didn't have authority, who were subject to torture beyond belief. They kept saying, no, we saw the risen Jesus Now, let's contrast that with the Watergate 12. These were 12 of the most powerful and influential men 
in America. They worked for the president of the United States. Right, I would even say they're some of the most powerful men in the whole world at the time. These were these men, the 12, and they couldn't keep the lie for three weeks, right? 40 years versus three weeks. They caved, right? There was no torture. There was no beating. There was no death. And yet they caved because it was a lie. They got caught in their lie. I, I think that's, again, to me, one of the greatest evidences of Jesus actually rising from the dead is that 12 ordinary people with no power, no authority, did not change their story. And yet we have the Watergate 12, the ones who had power um, and, and could make things happen, recanted within three weeks. Now, now I, I know where some of us are because I'm there a little bit too, but what about other people dying for their religious beliefs? Because um, somebody who is Mormon could die for their Mormon beliefs. Somebody who, who, who is Muslim could die for their Muslim beliefs. In fact, we see that. Um, Right, other people have died for their religions. Does that make it true? And here's what I'm going to say to that. Here's here's another thing that just helps cement this in my mind. They died for what they believe to be true. In Islam, they die for what they believe true. Like when they died in or when when they crashed the planes into the World Trade Center, they believed that what they were doing was the right thing to do because God, because what they believed was true, that they need to purify the world of other things. And so they did that. But here's, here's the difference for the disciples. If the resurrection didn't happen, the disciples died for something that they knew to be false because they saw Jesus die. And if the resurrection didn't happen, if they were part of a conspiracy to make this movement, then they died and were tortured for something they knew to be false. And for what? What, 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 what benefit did, did it get them? There was no power. They didn't gain any power from saying that Jesus rose from the dead. They didn't gain money. They didn't gain sex. They didn't gain anything that the world says is valuable. They didn't get it. And really, we're going to think, hey, hey, they did all this to fool people? Like even to die to fool people? Like, no, that's not likely. That's not the logical. That's not following the evidence. When you follow the evidence, say, no, people don't do that. And we go back to the Watergate 12. Like they caved in on that lie. So here's my conclusion. Even though it seems impossible to me, the evidence leads to Jesus actually rising from the dead. Right? It seems impossible on my earthly, fleshly person who's stuck in this world in time, space, energy. It seems impossible to me. But the evidence shows that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And this changes everything. This changes everything in, in my life. This has continued to change everything in my life because if Jesus rose from the dead, then the claims that he made about being God are true and he is God, he is king, he is Lord, and I am to live my life under him even when I don't get it. And I think of parenting. Often with my son, I tell him things that he doesn't quite get. He doesn't understand why I'm having him do that. And yet, it is still true. It is still right, even if he doesn't comprehend it. And that's the same way with God. I have to come to a place of trust because it was said, you rose from the dead. You conquered death. You claimed to be God. They killed you. You came back from the dead. You reign. Okay, you are king. You are Lord. You are God. And I want to live my life your way, the way of Jesus. So what's your conclusion? Or Better yet, what questions, what doubts do you have about the resurrection yet? Let me know by by um, by um, email or social medias. Let me know in those ways. They will, they'll be in the show notes for you because I want to hear 
from you on this because I, I think you have more questions. I think you have maybe some more doubts and that's good. Or maybe you you come and you're like, Mike, like this evidence of the 12 never um, going back on their word of Jesus rising from the dead, even though the Watergate 12 did, that's very helpful. Just just let me know. Again, um, I love to hear from you. I love when, when you have conversations back. It makes this even more fun. This is a blast, but it makes it even more fun. And hey, I hate to do this, but can you do me a huge favor? Can you share this with one skeptic in your life who needs this? I believe that we all know one more skeptic who really needs this podcast, who really needs this conversation because it's such an important conversation. It is a conversation of truth and truth is a matter of life and death. And I want them to join our conversation. I want them to be part of this because I think it's important for you and it's important for me to have more voices around. I know in this past few weeks, I've widened my circle of people who have questions, people who have even more questions than me. And it's just been, oh man, it's been so beneficial for me. And I can't wait to tell you more about what those conversations have been um, and some conversations coming up. And, and remember to keep asking the tough questions because whether you believe Jesus rose from the dead or not, this podcast doesn't end the conversation. It only begins it. So welcome to the conversation. Welcome to the conversation.